put all your books on the floor. Many people say that books are one thing they just can't part with, regardless of whether they are avid readers or not. Truly decide whether you want to keep something or dispose of something. You must take things out of hibernation. Even the piles of books already on the floor will be easier to assess if you move them to a different part of the floor. Okay, so that's what she says. And you're telling me that this is a worldwide bestseller, this particular brand of hooey. (laughs) Yes. Are you, is the entire world insane? No, just a lot of it. And the entire world, yes, is insane, actually. Bonus points if you identified the sacred text. I'm reading from Marie Kondo's bestseller, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. My husband and I are upstairs in front of an Ikea bookshelf so perilously overstuffed that it leans to the right. There are six liquor store boxes at the ready. We're trying to prevent a book catastrophe. I'm Debbie Gallant, and this is Stuff.Life, a podcast about our relationship with things. And this week, we're going to see how Kondo's method stacks up against our bookcase. And yes, Ms. Kondo is indisputably the world avatar of tidiness, but she's going up against the marital property of two people who take books pretty seriously. My husband, a newsman, occasional poet, and former English major, came to the marriage with the poetry of Yeats and Shelley and many tomes on the architectural history of New York City. And me, I'm the typical writer. I spent my formative years avoiding other children, except for the ones in books. And, oh yeah, I've written three novels. Generally speaking, Warren won't part with books about New York City, or anything by poet-slash-undertaker Thomas Lynch. But right now, he's being very resistant to the Marie Kondo method. Off the shelf, but I don't have time for all of this. Do you want to do, like... No. What? No. I don't want to take any of them off the shelf. Well, we're going to take some... get rid of books, we'll pull books off the shelf, look at them and say, keep or get rid of. Okay, but let's... We're not going to put them in the floor, and we're not going to pick them up and move them to another part of the floor. No, but let's let's do, like, one shelf at a time, and let's pull them onto the floor, just for the sake of argument, okay? We're going to take this bottom shelf here... Be my guest. Take the, all the books in that, in that square of the bookcase and put them on the floor. And then we're going to go through them together. Round one, Debbie. Okay. So the first one, Upper West Side... Keep. St- keep. Because... What? It's a reference. Re- no. Now let's go into reference book. Reference books are available online. They're available in libraries. Did, I mean... And since when do you need a reference about the Upper West Side? Keep it. Round two, Warren. And so it goes. We get rid of Anna Karenina. The type in this paperback edition is way too small, and these days you can get it for free on Kindle. Howard's End by E.M. Forster meets the same fate. We even let go of a James Thurber. James Thurber, The Beast in Me, and Other Animals. I'd let it go. Really? Yeah, most of the Thurber I'd keep, but that one is not so great. That's not a good Thurber? Okay. All right. And okay, just as Miss Kondo predicted, we find lots of books we meant to read but never did. Okay. Devotion, a memoir by Don, Danny Shapiro. Okay, I remember getting this and not reading it. The reason being, I think it's a really sad 
her parents die and then she does yoga or something and I think it was too disturbing when I got it to read so even though somebody said it was really good um, if it was too disturbing then it's probably too disturbing it might get less disturbing if you get in these cases she writes the book's purpose was to teach you that you didn't need it she also says if you only got halfway through a book its purpose was to be read halfway so 20 minutes in we're burning and pillaging the Richest Season by Marianne McFadden. Um, oh my God, it's a it's a, it's a reading copy of something, and it's like very unpleasant. The, there's no margins. Let it go. Okay. okay. The Great Bridge, the epic. Let it go. It's not as good a book as it should be. Okay. I wish it were. Consider this: The Great Bridge, that rare New York City volume that Warren is willing to part with, is written by David McCullough two-time Pulitzer Prize winner, and the historian Ken Burns chose to narrate the Civil War. He worked for four years on this book. And listen for it. And Marianne McFadden, whose advanced reader's copy was printed in a way that I found unpleasant. I wouldn't call her a friend exactly, but I have met her at several readings. Moreover, I know the blood and sweat and raw ego that goes into writing a novel. And here's where decluttering pushes up against my fellow feeling for other writers. With every thud, I imagine a writer's ego being crushed. Since I happen to be at an artist colony, I have a ready-made focus group to put the question to. Here are five writers sitting at a picnic table, just waiting to have their lunch interrupted. So how, as you know, somebody who's written a book and knows how much time it takes, do you feel about the idea of somebody just sort of like making a decision about your book to whether to keep it or, or throw it away like it was a tuna fish that had gone past its <laughs> expiration date? Anybody? <laughs> Any writer here have a reaction? Sure. Every reader has their own wheelhouse, the stuff that they love. So oh. your book may not be in that wheelhouse, and that's their prerogative because certainly I give out books. I, I give them away. Okay, so it wouldn't wound you if you heard somebody going thud with your book. What about you? Not at all. Uh, I think of the value of the book is in reading it, not in owning it. A lot of books, if I've read them, I will just, if I don't think I'm going to read them again, I don't think there's much value in keeping them. I mean, I have way too many books, but I just think it's it's perfectly fine to like sell a book. I also started now, because of this very question that you're bringing up, I now go to the library and take out books like regularly. I do not want to buy as many books as I used to. Only Charlie cops to a little bit of hurt at the idea of his book hitting the floor. In theory, I agree with what everyone said, that it's there are too many books. The, the book is for the reading, and there are some books that you love and get rid of, and the truth is, it, yeah, yeah, I want mine to make the cut. <laughs> I've, I've found my so, for the most part, my fellow writers are not wounded by the idea of a reader disposing of their work. In fact, really Kelly sees the positive side. I've never had this experience, but I'm kind of looking forward to the day when I go into a charity bookshop and find one of my books, because I feel like that means you've made it. It's like your book has been so there with someone that it's got to the point where they actually don't want it anymore, and it's going to go find another home somewhere else because of the joy I get when I go into a charity bookshop and find something that I'm excited but about. But there's so one I point we all agree on. Is it hard to throw away a book by somebody you know personally? Is it? I mean, I can't do. you can't do. Yeah, I save all my friends' yeah, books. Yeah, my too. friends' books I keep, even if I, I think that they're terrible. 
books and I have to keep them around in like in public like a place because then like if they come over my house like you know like there's, there's a legendary literary feud between writers Paul Theroux and V.S. Naipaul that began when Theroux found two books he'd inscribed to his friend in a catalog of first editions going for 1500 bucks a piece. The feud lasted 15 years and went so deep that Theroux wrote a literary tell-all casting his friend as bitter, depressive, and unappreciative. The lesson I take from this legendary spat? Hell hath no fury like a writing pal scorned. Never, ever discard a book inscribed by a friend, unless you plan to burn it. Becoming George Sand, a novel by Rosalind Brackenberry. Oh, I, another friend from... Artist Colony? Yes. Okay. Hang on. Okay. She probably signed it to you. Um, another friend book coming up. Um, chasing... It's mainly because it's a friend oh, book. Oh, Ted Anthony. It's a friend book. Oh, this is a good friend. Can't dump a friend book. No. Okay. And that's a problem Marie Kondo doesn't address. She may be a best-selling author, but that doesn't make her a writer. And here's another thing Ms. Kondo doesn't understand. For a while, she saved her favorite parts of her favorite books by using what she calls the bulk reduction method. That is, by actually tearing out the best pages and filing them away. Which means, of course, that the book is ruined for anybody else. It doesn't get a second life. Marie Kondo says she's called her own library to 30 volumes, which is about what Warren and I take on a vacation. To get our library to 30 volumes, we'd not only have to sell out our friends, we'd have to mortgage our souls. Still, we managed to fill four of our six liquor boxes with books, which went to the rummage sale at the local church. And I'm happy to report that none had any pages removed, although some may have been dog-eared. The music at the top of this episode is from Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks to the Virginia Center for Creative Arts for giving me the time and space to work on this podcast. And to my fellow writing fellows, Charles Fishman, Charlie Graber, Dolores Johnson, Eric Sasson, and Kelly Swain. Thanks also to composer Stephen Landis, who took time away from his keyboard to give me some sound mixing advice. You've been listening to Stuff.Life, which you can hear on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow our blog at Stuff.Life. That's .life, not .com. Um, here's a David Gallup book, How to Cope with Suburban Stress. seems to me that we hold on to books by our friends unless uh, there's a real reason to get rid of it. Okay. I know it's from the professional organization of English majors.